1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye with me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we are recapping a Nets win over the Bucks 118, 100, eight straight wins for Brooklyn. How are we doing?
2: Happy freaking holidays. Hope everyone loves their smoothies and Oreos, Giannis.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, happy holidays. I uh, hope everyone enjoys themselves and this gets you in the spirit. A nice Nets win, double digits over the Bucks. It tasted well. We're going to have that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, where do we start?
2: Nick, I think we start with the first half because the Nets had just developed a really good cohesion in that first half. Outscored the Bucks sixty to forty seven. And despite, you know, the, the Bucks coming back a little bit in the third, as well as a little bit in the fourth, the Nets showed some really good composure, cohesion, some nice timeouts from Jacques Vaughn, some nice shots and, and fourth quarter scoring from Kyrie Irving. But that first half really set the tone. The the three pointer was on. Ben was really locked in defensively. Kyrie Irving threw an incredible pass. Um, it was yeah. the, the, the team play. It's just the, the vibes are good. The vibes are really good. It might have been one of the better halves of Nets basketball we've seen for a very, very long time, if not all season quite easily.
1: Yeah, I think you nailed it, Jack. The vibes are really up with this team, and they're just very engaged. You know, when's the the last time, the last season where we were just like, wow, the Nets played two really good first quarters in a row like they went they destroyed Golden State in that first quarter they came out today really engaged and locked in and as I mentioned before this is their eighth straight win so they're doing something right and in that second quarter against the Bucs they won it 24 to 18 and holding a Milwaukee team to 18 points yes Chris Milton didn't play but they do have Giannis Drew Holiday and some other good players on this roster so credit the Nets for just finding cohesion and making adjustments and honestly Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons are (laughs) really stepping up and playing well
2: incredible games by both of them. And we were chatting a little bit off wax. It's been a big question that we've asked on many podcasts to many of our guests. Can Ben and Clax fit together? The stats post-Steve Nash era indicate yes. And the eye test tonight is a resounding yes, Nick. Because what you can do when those two are on the floor and you have Kevin Durant playing at an incredible defensive level as well, is you have an elite defensive team. There are people out there that are still saying that I don't know if the Nets can do enough defensively. Watch them play basketball. Watch Nick Claxton play basketball. Watch Ben Simmons lock down the Greek no-bag smoothie freak. (laughs) <laughs> like, it's as simple as that. If you watch the game tonight, Nick, you can easily go, well, if my eyes are telling me something here, I don't need stats. I don't need to look into the optics. I can literally just see that there is a cohesion in chemistry and camaraderie and the way that there is a simplification to the way that the Nets play basketball. There is a simplification to their roles. Everyone knows what they need to do. Like, Nick Claxton was getting the ball down low with like five seconds left. And he's like, you know what? i got my little lefty hook. I can shoot this over Giannis. I can shoot this off the glass. There's just confidence across the board and everyone just knows what they need to do. And I think Jacques Vaughn deserves a heap of credit for that because the rotation right now understands where they are, understands yep. what their role is to contribute to winning. You know, Royce O'Neal just being an absolute flamethrower in, in certain spurts of the game. Kevin Ranch just being the goddamn best player in the league. Nick Claxton locking down everyone like he's... I know Clamps, it's, it's Akon. it's locked up. You know, I'm locked up when you've got him and Ben Simmons out there. But this was a, a, an incredible defensive performance from both of those two. And Ben Simmons, despite the fact that Giannis Antetokounmpo still had, you know, 9 or 13 from the field, got to the line 11 times, don't know how that was possible. 27 turnovers, points, though. Seven turnovers. And a lot of that was Ben. A lot of that was, you know, guys shading off. You're like TJ yep. were only shading off. There was just better understanding from the way that the nets were able to defend him and and clax was able you know clax got bodied a couple times ben did a, as well but i think overall the the best you can do and i've said a lot of crappy things about Giannis, but he is still a superstar and the best you can do against the superstars like katie like Giannis, like luca like Kyrie, like these guys is make life tough for them and life was very very tough for Giannis tonight he did he score in the fourth quarter nick did not. No points
1: in the fourth quarter, which is huge. And I mean, the Bucks start at the fourth quarter, what, down 10 points, and it was within range for the majority of the quarter. And so the Nets kind of caught, you know, caught he and Royce O'Neal knocked down a couple threes. But as you mentioned, Jack, you know, you're never going to limit Giannis to 10 points or anything like that. You're looking to, to disrupt this game. And I thought you brought up a great point about the shading this is probably one of the Nets' best games defensively in terms of shading against Giannis, guys being active and engaged, and also just saying like, hey, Milwaukee, beat us with your other guys. You know, shout out Javon Carter going 0 of 6 from 3, Joe Ingles going 0 of 4. You know, they 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 missed Chris Middleton, and the Nets capitalized, and they took advantage and forced, you know, mediocre players to try to beat them, and... It was a good game planned by Jokic, man, and also, like you said, just the tenacity in which Ben Simmons played against Giannis. You can tell he gets up for these matchups, in which he doesn't always get up for every matchup in every game this season. But he was at a different level tonight than what we've seen. I don't want to say all season, but in certain ways, he was.
2: This is a uh, this is a game for the naysayers, and if you yeah. if you like people that weren't watching tonight's game will be like, oh, "Well, Ben, what? He had 12 points. You, you had like what?" It's just like watch what he did tonight like my guy put out a euro like off the glass shot and it's yeah. just like that's just with his right <laughs> yeah, and with his right And look we know ben simmons is a right hander like ben come on like stop fooling us stop lying my guy like there's nothing wrong with being a right hander from a left hander who does a lot of things with his right hands it- it's okay ben it's truly fine but you know, in 28 minutes I feel like he was giving 110% every single minute that he was out there. I love the way that Ben Simmons has an impression on the Nets whenever he plays. The way he gets guys open looks and transition looks. You know, The, the stats fire cleaning the glass. of the Nets' plays were in transition, and they scored 142.9 points per 100 possessions off those plays. They were plus 7.8 overall in transition. You know why that was, Nick? Ben freaking Simmons. His go-ahead passes to Royce, his go-ahead passes to Joe Harris in the past, Kyrie Irving, whoever else it might be, it has a real impact on the game tangibly. Not just intangibly, tangibly.
1: Yeah, that Ben was awesome pushing the pace. And I mean, you know, be it a turnover, be it a rebound, be it a, a scored basket. He just did a good job of trying to push the ball and also credit the Nets for forcing 18 turnovers and getting those face, uh, fast break opportunities. So Ben and also like when Ben and Klax are just able to hit a couple layups inside uh, against a contest, that's just a huge difference for the offense. And this is probably. Maybe the first game of the season where both guys actually were able to hit contested shots, other than wide open dunks and layups in the paint.
2: Yeah, and I think that it is a a, a boding well sign that thirty three games into the season, you know we said very, very early on about the Clax-Ben dynamic, the, the Klax, even Ben Simmons' dynamic by himself, because Clax was was really on and has been really consistent and is putting himself not just in all defensive conversations, but in most improved player conversations with the way that he's been playing. Like, play. But Ben Simmons, we're like, all right, let's wait 15 games. Let's wait 20 games. We're 33 games in now, and while Ben Simmons hasn't been perfect, you see the blueprint there. The defensive blueprint, especially, Nick, is something that is just really exciting because what the Nets the Nets style of defense, be, be it with the switching, just, just fits the identity of their players so well. And in the past, the Nets have switched because th- they've been forced to. It's just the easiest thing to learn, the easiest thing to, to have as your sort of system of defense. But switching suits, Ben, because if you're switching Ben out onto whoever it is on the perimeter, Drew Holiday, and then Royce O'Neal just gets on to the United the But yeah, it's not perfect, but I'd rather that than Seth Curry or Paddy Mills or whatever. And even like there were moments tonight where, where Seth was doing a little bit defensively and Seth and Kyrie out there. And I'm like, you know what? I actually don't mind this because Seth is Seth looked a, a bit better. He he looked much better than a two of nine from the field night, at least just by looking at it and just the way that I was watching the game. But I just feel that... Jacques Vaughn deserves a heap of credit and I think the players deserve a heap of credit for just wanting to execute and just being engaged and being aggressive and just not being lazy and when they are lazy, there's accountability there from Jacques Vaughn. Timeout, four, four minutes into the quarter. Timeout, no, nah, I don't like that shit. It, it doesn't matter if they're up by 18 or if they're up by four. Jacques Vaughn holds them accountable. Kevin Durant likes it. We like it. And the players are responding.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned their defensive versatility. I mean, they had Kevin Durant on Drew Holiday this game. You know, that's that's a different type of thing to do because they have Ben Simmons, they have Nick Claxton. They can kind of mix and match different matchups across the board. And as you said, you know, sometimes you get a pick and roll or a pick and bop or whatever it is. And instead of switching into an advantage situation, you're switching on to another good defender. And also these guys just did a good job of showing effort and recovering and trying to contest some shots. So The defense, like you said, is simpler. Jacqueline does a better job of holding them accountable, and the guys are just more engaged, and there's just more cohesion. You know, I think the first couple possessions of the game was a little messy, a couple miscommunications, but you saw it cleaned up after that, and the guys really did a great job.
2: And I think as well with that in terms of the offense, ball movement is something that has become second nature to this team. 30 assists on 46 made field goals, and early on in the game, when – the ball is moving and th- there is a, a selflessness to what is happening. You know, Klax might get it at the top of the free throw line. He kicks it out to Kyrie. Kari kicks it to Utah in the corner or Royce at the top of the break or Kevin Durant. It's just, th- there's something like just really. Cohesive to the way that the Nets are playing on both ends of the floor, and the ball movement is is, is a joy. It, it, it really is. You got eight assists from Ben. You got six from Kai. You got five from Klax. You got six from Kevin Durant. Like, and you got you got another two from Edmund Sumner and another three from T. J. Warren. Like, it's it's become second nature to this team. Like, what the Nets have been in the past, and I don't think this has gone away from them. Is you know Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are incredible isolation scorers. But now you pair that with guys that have elite spacing. Royce O'Neal's been shooting the ball crazy. Kyrie Irving's obviously a great three-point shooter. T.J. Warren's been shooting it really well the last couple of games. Utah is the best three-point shooter in the league. Seth is great. Joe is great, despite not being uh, out there. It just allows it, it makes the isolations easier. Like it, it means that they're gonna have a, a spread floor and they can kick it out to someone on the the, the left corner or the right corner. I just think that. I I mean, I'm probably on the Matt Brooks bandwagon right now of of Nets contending, and it's after a game against a team that was 22-9 and and leading the league in terms of their record. You you can't ask for anything more, Nick, with the way that they played tonight. I think this is as close to a 48-minute game that we got from the Nets so far. You're going to get five or 10 minutes here or there, but the Nets responded, and I think that that shows the character. I'm all in. I'm all in right now, Nick. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, it, you have to be
1: happy because this was a test. You know, we knew about the wins against the bad teams or the team's missing star players or role players. They came in in Milwaukee, yes, missing Middleton, But like you said, best record in the league, still have a superstar, still play a great style of basketball. And the Nets were able to disrupt what they were doing and still play their style offensively. And you mentioned, you know, the ball movement. Also, the player movement has been great. And you constantly see multiple actions on the floor where it's yes we're trying to get the the ball to Kevin Durant but also we might run TJ Warren or somebody else off a screen as well now it's just occupying the defense and so many times last season it was like one action the ball's going to Kevin Durant everyone else is standing still the other team knows what you're trying to do and it led to a lot of bad possessions and the Nets are cleaning that up and this is a game they won with Kyrie Irving having one of his worst shooting games of the season you know shooting six of 18 from the field Seth Curry shooting two of nine and it really wasn't because of the defense it was guys
2: is it the best six of eighteen game that you've ever seen, Nick? I think this is a, a game where, like, we speak about box score, we speak about eye tests, We, I've given you know stats from cleaning the glass. That fourth quarter where the Nets needed to gain a bit of ascendancy, Kyrie Irving hit that sidestep three, which was just like, come on, man! Like, not many players can do that, and it was it, it created a rhythm. the easy
1: shots, hit the tough ones.
2: I mean, look, <laughs> Kyrie can do that. Kyrie can do that, and 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 ultimately. You, he's second in the league for for points per game in in the fourth quarter. I think just behind Giannis Antetokounmpo, who by the way had zero, zero as we alluded to in the fourth oh, he quarter. Can so switch spots after tournament. maybe. I mean, he, he certainly should. So it just proves that, despite having probably the best score in NBA history in Kevin Durant, you have the luxury of Kyrie Irving out there and. What I felt, Nick, with Kyrie Irving tonight is that when Kevin Rand was sitting and Kyrie Irving was out there and the fact that Jacques Vaughn is staggering and playing quality rotations and and quality lineups, I just feel when you're you're Ben and Kai together and there's just – I'm not worrying about the offense. When I I think I asked that question to Chris Mulholland a couple episodes ago. I'm like, are you worried in the non-KD minutes? The way that it's a playing right now and the fact that Kyrie Irving can just do so much and just, just pull ten points out of his ass like it's no one else's business. I'm pretty happy with the way that, you know, Kyrie Irving played tonight, despite what we saw. And and I thought he was pretty good defensively too. Yeah, he
1: was. I thought he was engaged. And I think, you you know, you mentioned, you know, this is a great six of 18 game, because typically when Kyrie has these type of games, sometimes he's kind of out of it or not in the zone defensively. But he played well, had nine rebounds, had six assists and 14 of his 18 came in the fourth quarter. You know, he had four points, one through three in terms of quarters. So he stepped up. And it also is a nice luxury where, you know, he can turn it up when he needs to late in the game because he's not relied upon as much as he has in other games.
2: Yeah, it, I, I, there was just something about tonight's game and and Kyrie having led you know in minutes. You know normally it's Kevin Ram playing you know 38 minutes, Kyrie you know 35 36, but I think it was because in offensive stretches in that fourth quarter where the Bucks came back and, and cut it to single digits, Kyrie Irving was able to either create a shot for himself and the 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 shot that stuck out to me, Nick, was the one where he was super aggressive at one of the best rim protectors in the league yep. and just goes at Brook Lopez and finishes with the left. I'm just like, that's not going to be on the highlight reel. Probably not because Kyrie Irving has so many other different things that he can do with the ball in his hands. But that, I just, I've always said it about Kai. When he goes from in and out and, and in, like feeds from his driving game towards his mid-range game, towards his three-point game, that's when he looks great. I love the aggressiveness when he's getting to the rim. And he is an incredible finisher. And with his left, it feels like, heart, like over half of his makes around the rim this year have been with his left hand. He is ambidextrous and just a, an incredible, incredible at-rim finisher.
1: Yeah, he has a better finish with his left than a lot of players have with their right. And that's remarkable because they're all NBA players. And I think, honestly... Going at Brooke Lopez in pick and roll situations or pick and pop or whatever it is, is kind of an X factor for this matchup long term, is because Brooke is obviously going to drop 90% of the time. And that gives you the opportunity for Kyrie to hit mid range, hit him with the hezi, and try to get to the rim. The same thing with Kevin Durant. So that's always going to be something that is crucial in these matchups. And we know how good Brooke has been defensively in terms of protecting the rim. But, you know, I, I was really happy with Kyrie. And I even felt like. Maybe there was a stretch, I want to say, in the third quarter where the Nets probably could have got him a couple more touches where maybe it was a little too Seth Curry heavy.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Like, you know, just if, if KD's off the court, just let Kyrie bring it up. Like, yeah, Javon Carter's going to guard him 94 feet, but I'm not worried about Kyrie losing the ball. There was, like, one time where he lost it, and I think both of the times where KD and Kyrie had unforced turnovers, they just, like, slipped over. It was just, yeah. you know, one of those random things that happens when when you're playing sport, but... We should get to Kevin Durant, because and just
1: one note on Kyrie and I, just what you were saying, Jack. When he's on the floor and Katie's not out there, it's not even he has to run the possession. But your best player should always touch the ball at least once, and it doesn't mean that he has to shoot or do anything. But literally, just the gravity in which he has with the players he's on the floor with, it has an impact to just let him touch the ball.
2: Yeah, and and he's good. Like he makes the right decisions. <laughs> when he, he's just he's just a good player. And what what I mean by that, the reductive nature of that comment, is just. He'll make the take. right. He, he'll, <laughs> he'll make the right pass. He'll he'll split the defenders. Like he can do a lot of things with the ball in his hands because of just the innate skill and wizardry that that he possesses. But Nick Kevin Durant tonight nine of seventeen from the field in thirty four minutes, two of 6 from three, including missing one of the most open shots Kevin Durant has had probably as a Brooklyn net. Uh, four of four from the free throw line could have easily had fourteen. Uh, five boards, six assists, a steal, a block, three turnovers, twenty four points. I think Katie might have been a little bit annoyed to get to twenty-five. I think he was talking a, a little bit of smack with one as he headed to the bench. But uh, I, uh, the 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 comments that I continue to make about Kevin Durant not being protected, uh, I, like I'm a part of me, like you, it's the season to be writing letters to Santa. I'm gonna write a letter <laughs> to goddamn Adam Silver and put postage and a stamp on it and and just you know spit in it because like just <laughs> God sakes, like drew holiday is like in his Jersey. Like he, he's like yeah. literally inside him. He's physically assaulting him and he's not getting calls. Meanwhile, Giannis can like grab like the nuts of an opposing player, elbow them in the chest and ribs and gets nothing. And like, just gets called. So now nah, it's a free throw to be you, my guy. Like, let's just have a semblance of consistency. Yes, Kevin Durant plays the, the game in a very pure and aesthetic way, unlike Mr. Bulldozer Greek man. But I just – I think Kyrie and KD deserve a bit more bloody respect from the refs and the officials. It's just – it's getting ridiculous isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think uh, KD definitely had a case at least for six more free throws in this game. There's a couple of plays just from Drew Holiday, the one where he hits the contested shot over him where he's essentially – literally in his jersey. It feels like his hand is underneath the jersey, and there's just too many plays where that goes on, and then you see touch fouls on the other side for a player who plays with a level of physicality as Giannis. It just doesn't really make sense, and I think that's where the frustration comes. It's the lack of consistency, but enough of that. We don't care tonight because the Nets won, and they uh, KD scored 24, but it was a hard-earned 24 because the way Milwaukee defended him was different you know drew haughty was on him from essentially half court on and he did not come off of him no matter a pick a slip whatever it was they were essentially hey drew's gonna stay on him and the other guy's gonna stay on him and that led to a lot of good three-point looks for royce o'neill and other guys on the team so hey KD maybe didn't have his best scoring game of the season but he generated a ton of offense just by the attention milwaukee was giving him and milwaukee wanted to make sure he wasn't going to drop 50 on their head again
2: Yeah, exactly. One of the great games we've ever seen a Brooklyn Nets player play. And when you have Royce O'Neill. You out there, when you have TJ Warren out there, when you have Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, when you have credible offensive players, you know, you have to pick your poison. And the Bucks picked their poison tonight. They were like, we're not going to let KD do it. But everyone else did it because all the Nets starters finished with 12 plus points yep. and TJ Warren chipped in with 12. Utah, you know, had five. Seth Curry chipped in with five. Edmund Sumner, I think, in his 10 minutes was actually pretty positive as well, despite going one. It just seemed to me that there was no. Non contributors tonight for the the Nets, Nick. And I think because Kevin Durant just is so otherworldly, and come on, like, are we really comparing Kevin Durant and Giannis onto the Kumpo? (laughs) Let's end the discussion. Kevin Durant should now overtake Giannis in the MVP standings and in all the rankings that you might have. 34-year-old Kevin Durant playing 34 minutes tonight. Let's end that discussion. But yeah, Kevin Durant is otherworldly and it leads to just so many good things across the board because he's just so incredible.
1: Yeah, it's incredible, too. It's just like, look at the matchups he had tonight. He was on Drew Holiday. He was on Giannis Antetokounmpo. He was on Brook Lopez. He essentially can defend any position in the game. And like you mentioned, 34 years old and is ascending. And he even had a great post uh, possession against Giannis, you know, where he held his own, maybe a little extra physical, but who cares? Because that's how Giannis is playing against him. And that's the type of thing that's going to help the team. And his willingness to just bang down low, even still being a superstar, it helps set the tone. And that's been something that's been different. With this team since Jacques Vaughn's taken over, the superstars have helped set the tone defensively and with hustle.
2: And he did it on Brook Lopez as well. Like yeah, he, he was just like, uh, I, I don't have post defense numbers on me. I'm not Matt Brooks or Kevin O'Connor or whatever. I'd love to have those numbers with me, but you know his isolation defense numbers are you know, otherworldly. We know that we've seen those numbers, but in, in the post, it just feels like he doesn't get scored on. Like yeah. he just has, and despite being skinnier than a, a bloody stick you know my girlfriend was watching today and she's like he's just uh, like so goddamn slim and i'm like slim reaper slim baby reaper. <laughs> uh, yeah. but in, in saying that he's just so strong like he's he has a a willingness he's like yeah i'm like 48 pounds or whatever but you're not getting past me brook and you got 200 pounds on me so i i think that that physicality that desire the intangible things, you know, we're talking about the balance of tangible and intangible and you know, tangible is like, you know, what you can see, what is actually being executed and intangible is, you know, the desire, the goodiness, all those different things. And you know, when superstars do that, you know, that, that's leadership personified and Kevin Rank gets a lot of shit for his leadership or lack thereof, or is he a true leader? Like, Come on, he, he does it all out there. He is the epitome of on-court leadership.
1: Yeah. And I think you could say he's having a great leadership season this year, just from the perspective of the group of guys. You know, this is just really fitting to Kevin Durant. And it seems like he's setting the tone, like I mentioned, defensively, even, you know, active on the boards, had five tonight, maybe could add a couple more, but he was boxing out and constantly down there and banging with guys. And even uh, you mentioned the shot he missed, you know, the wide open three, you know, nobody was more upset in the building than Kevin Durant. And I think that kind of, hey, KD might light you up if you have a bad possession, but he lights himself up if he has a bad possession.
2: Exactly. It's the 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 accountability that he shows to himself is probably worse than the accountability that would be showed to him by others. He is as, his own harshest critic. He's he's nigh on perfect, a perfectionist.
1: Yeah, I think we should talk about Nick Claxton. Uh, 19 points tonight, 9 of 10 from the field, 1 of 2 from the free throw line, 8 rebounds, 2 offensive, 5 assists, 3 steals. And he was just locked in. This is one of the best games of Nick Claxton's career. Yeah. he might've had higher totals or a better box score, but what he showcased on the floor was just emblematic of
2: the player. He's become. Oh, he was feeling himself. Like he he was just, he was just points with post moves. Oh my God! Like Royal, um, Royal Ivy was just, yep. just like the, the hand in the air. There was a, a point where he got a bit angry at Giannis getting to the free throw line, and I love how Kyrie because Kyrie, when I mean, just like Zen personified when he's out there, he doesn't. He's chatting to the opposing guys, and Kyrie goes up and say, like, "Oh man, like chill. You know, you got this. You, you're still playing well." You know, he gets a a, a fast break dunk. And he did that bump thing that he did to, I think it was Tyrese Halliburton the other day. I'm like, oh, come on, let's rain in a little bit. But then Giannis got pissed off and it was just like, ah, come on, talk your talk, Clax. Talk your shit. And And it could have been one of
1: two ways. Giannis could have picked up his game and played better or Clax could have picked up his game. And it was actually
2: Claxton's the one who turned up. You could make an argument that, like, Clax was maybe the best player out on the court tonight. I think he was one of the two or three best players out in the court tonight, maybe not the best, but Nick Claxton just, he has just comfort and confidence. And when you combine the two C's, you get A pluses, Nick.
1: Yeah, yeah, you really do. And I, I think it's just like he showcased a lot of different things he could do out there. And I thought, you know, Giannis was able to bully him a little bit earlier in the game, but I thought he stood stronger in that second half and other moments, just understanding where he could be successful and really stepping up when Ben got in foul trouble. You know, how many teams in the league have two solid options to throw at Giannis? Not to say that they're, you know, the best options in the league. Maybe there's an argument for Ben when he's fully healthy, but there are two really good options to throw at Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Nets at times have lacked one.
2: Yeah, and now they've got, you throw KD out there as well, that's three, and and Royce on on a pinch is probably three and a half or three and a, a third. But, and here's the yeah. thing
1: with Royce, where he might not be able to stop Giannis, he makes him work. And that's just so important because that's what the Bucs did to KD. And there was points in this game where KD looked tired, and that's what you just have to do to start players. And that's everybody on the roster contributing of making somebody
2: work. Yeah, the, the Royce thing that out to me was like, when he gave away the foul, he gave away the yeah. foul to, to Giannis. He's like, I'm going to wrap your arms together. I'm going to bring you to the floor and I'm going to F up your wrist or your pinky finger or whatever part of the body it was. And I'm just like... That's a guy that's like 6'6 that's doing it to him. And and you, know, you make him earn it. Where it's just like in the past, you know, the Nets have been accused of being soft. They don't have any tough guys or whatever. Like just, just make him earn it. And, you know, make Giannis take 45 seconds to shoot a free throw like he has in the past. And, look, he was decent from the free throw line tonight, so I'll, I'll give him that. But, yeah, Royce was – Royce's three-point shooting, Nick. He's been – he's 16 of 30 in the past – let me count how many games. One, two, three, four. Five games including tonight. 53 points. Yeah, fifty-three point three percent. And as you alluded to, the rest certainly had an effect because he's playing twenty-eight minutes now rather than like there were nights where he is on the same minute load as Kevin Durant and or oh, Kyrie Irving. And more in in some some occasions. And and it just can't happen. But now you have your Royce, Ben, Clax, Joe, Utah, TJ, and there's just a balance there where you know, TJ can play some good defense. Utah can play some good defense. Ben Simmons can be elite. Nick Claxton is elite. Kevin Durant is elite. It just spreads the load across the board. And it means that Royce is just going to keep hitting those top of the break at the left threes and giving the Nets a real jolt of momentum. And it's a, a full credit to him. You know, I've said that, you know, I've been you know a, a bit skeptical of his consistency. He's been consistent of late and I want him to continue maintaining consistent and continue to prove me wrong. Yeah, I think one of
1: the issues just might be keeping his minutes down. You know, I saw a Utah Jazz beat writer tweet something out along the lines of like, you know, Royce usually runs out of gas. And that seemed to be the issue, you know, a week or two ago. And now he's starting to, you know, get that gas back up, get that juice back up. And also another thing with Royce is we know he's not necessarily the best point of attack defender, but he still has defensive versatility because he ended up guarding Brook Lopez late in this game and did a pretty good job of kind of keeping out of the post, using his physicality, where TJ Warren, you know, prior to that was getting cooked and kind of pushed under the rim. And Royce came in and did a nice job. And again, he's not going to be great against some of these guards, but when he gets put on them in a switch, it's not that bad. So it's just kind of making sure you're putting him in a position to be successful.
2: Yeah, if, if Royce is your fourth guy out there you on defense which he is when you got KD, Klax, and Ben Simmons and then you got Kyrie Irving as your fifth guy it's just the load across the board and you know team basketball nick it's just it's just all the things but we'll get to the bench TJ Warren another consistent game from him in 21 minutes 5 of 11 from the field 2 of 4 from 3 I'm starting to feel more confident with that three ball yep six boards three assists one steal i think the rebounding alongside the three-point shooting, is what really stuck out. And the Nets leveled the rebounding battle against the Bucs, who are a big physical sort of team, 45 apiece. And I think TJ Warren, when he was out there, he was fighting for every sort of offensive board. He was making sure that he was boxing out and getting the the defensive boards, ending those possessions. I think that he was, I don't know why I notice rebounding sometimes, and maybe it's a bit boring to speak about on a podcast, but I, I loved it.
1: Yeah, there was even a possession where he didn't get the board and poked the ball out of Giannis' hands, got it to Kyrie, got it back, hit the layup right there. And I think he's just a guy that's going to end up being a big factor for this team. And I wrote in my notes like TJ Warren matters because he's just going to provide some different elements for this team. And offensively, when he gets back to feeling good, if he gets Brook Lopez as his matchup, he is going to cook him. He's going to get to his mid-range area, knock down the shot, and that just provides another element of scoring for them. And as you said, he's looking comfortable from three. And another guy, versatility defensively. You know, he's a guy that can go out there and switch onto a couple different guys and do a solid job. Really happy with TJ and the way he's getting back in form. I'm excited to see when he takes that next step of his legs kind of fully being under him and him looking fully comfortable on the floor.
2: Yeah, give him another 10 games or so yeah. you know when he, he slowly bring up those minutes to like you know 22 23 get it to 25 get it to maybe 28 or so and then maybe you can lessen Royce O'Neal's minutes a little bit yep. maybe you know TJ isn't feeling it one night and Utah's feeling it or Utah isn't feeling it and TJ's feeling it to have that luxury of, of having wings wing guys quality wing guys in the rotation that can contribute beyond just one like one level of skill you know tj is a three level guy with his scoring he can be really really good at his best and can play some defense utah can do a couple things especially when it comes to his his corner three-point shooting he's just he, he wants the ball i'll just love how like utah has this we talk about you know confidence and the, the the two season comfort you know utah just feels like he's been a brooklynette for ages and he feels like he's just Personified and just jumped into the, the Brooklyn Nets way of life and like I'm a I'm I'm gonna be remembered as a Brooklyn Net. <laughs> he's made a, a bigger impact with this franchise than he has you know, maybe any other. You know Toronto, he's the very fond memories of him. Memphis to a lesser extent, but you know Yuta and TJ, you know we're gonna be speaking about them a lot because they just continue to just do great things whenever they're out there. Yeah, Utah
1: is playing a significant role with the team. And not to say he didn't get any minutes in Toronto, but he was never consistently part of the rotation throughout the entire season where it feels like Utah is going to be a big part of this team. And honestly, I don't know if the Bucks are even the best matchup for him because I think at times physicality can be an issue for him. But overall he still provides something because it, it felt like the Bucks were trying to make sure he didn't get his corner threes or when he did get an attempt out there, they were closing out hard. So now you got Utah Watanabe coming off the bench, providing you a level of gravity on the floor. Pretty cool.
2: Definitely. Um, shout out as well to Jacques Vaughn for that challenge. You know, I thought yeah. that was a really, really nice call because there was just a lot of ticky-tacky bullshit that the Nets, for some reason, get called for. And and Ben might have like a pinky finger on a, on a defender and get called for it. But uh, a, a, another discussion for another day. But you're, uh, by Matt Brooks, sorry for fumbling my words there, Kevin Durant says that Jacques Vaughn put up the box-out stats for the Nets to see about a month ago. And a lot of the players didn't like where they were ranked. He says the decision, this decision has played a major role in the Nets, improving and rebounding as a group. Yeah, you know, he probably showed that like Joe Harris is leading the team in box outs per game and I think that you know, it, it, pride and desire play a part. Yeah. You know, it, little things you, to engage a team. It a lot of effort. It, it is. You know, it, it to jump up there every single possession and end it. Sometimes just like, uh, all right, you guys get it. It's just and it just leads to, you know, second chance points, all those different things that were plaguing the Nets in different points of the season and in the past. So, I think that Little things to engage and, and find ways in an 82-game season to keep your players motivated. I like that from Jacques Vaughn. I'll, I'll yep. continue to say good things about him because I don't have many bad things to say about him. And I, I said upon the hiring that I thought that the Nets – might not be able to win a championship with him as the caliber of head coach, given what he's shown in the past. We had our discussion and we had a bit more nuance to it that he could be a, a Ty Lu type and, and lead them in a, in that sort of form or fashion. I'm starting to lean that way a little bit and, and starting to throw him out there as a possible coach of the year candidate with the way that he has revitalized this team.
1: Yeah, I mean, Vaughn's been awesome. And it sometimes it's just doing the simple things or the little things. And presenting the box out stats is something that, had a drastic impact on the team because not to say it's embarrassing, but to an extent it is for the players like, Hey, we are just getting out worked, and we're not doing a basketball fundamental. You know, that's a thing you learn at the lowest level of basketball to box out and for Vaughn to really put an emphasis on that. It helped take the defense to a new level because we talked about it a lot in the early season. They were having good defensive possessions. They just weren't able to finish them and grab that board. And yeah, there's still times where they could do a little bit better, but the improvement is there.
2: Exactly. And that's all you can ask for. And Nick, any final little things on Seth Curry, Edmund Sumner? I thought Edmund Sumner, I like the gravity that he brings with his driving. I like that he's continued to be aggressive on both ends of the floor.
1: Yeah, I think he's a good guy to bring in for some energy burst. And that's really what he does. He kind of just gives you that pickup. I think in certain matchups, maybe he can play a little bit more in other matchups. It's going to be tough because of his lack of three-point shot. But you like the energy he brings in those stints. And you mentioned, you know, Seth Curry... You you see moments where Seth can be so impactful, but then also you see the weaknesses and how that could be exploited in different situations or in a playoff series. And again, it kind of gets down to the point of, you know, when he's not knocking down his shots, he becomes less of a positive on the floor and sometimes even a negative. And I, I thought defensively there was more effort there tonight, but still not a great defensive player by any measure.
2: No, and he, he had two steals on the night, you know, yeah. and I think a couple of them were pretty positive players. I liked his layup. I'm like, that's one of the, the first layups he's hit in, in a very, very long time, and it was quite a crafty one, finishing around the rim, and I, I think his gravity as a three-point shooter is always going to be there, so... I don't think he was incredible, but he was still plus six on the night in the 25 minutes that he did play. And I thought he was better than maybe the box score suggests.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably been one of his better games in a while because he was getting a lot of games where he was playing eight minutes, seven minutes. And, you know, this game, he was utilized a little bit more because of his playmaking. And I think there was an opportunity for him to have a bigger impact because he was getting a lot of wide-open looks in pick-and-roll situations. As I mentioned before, Brook Lopez dropping and not really contesting. You know, if he was hot tonight, he could have probably had a 20-point game given the attention, you know, Kyrie and Katie were receiving. Exactly. And also 24 fast break points. That's pretty cool. That's something we love to see with this team. Get those easy buckets. We already know you're a great offensive team. At times they've missed opportunities in transition. Tonight did a nice job on capitalizing on a lot of those. And as you talked about, Jack, I think the team team activity and ball movement is just an over,
2: like just a, a statement made by the team and the style in which they want to play. 19 and 7 since Jacques Vaughn took over, Nick, the best record in the NBA. That's that's something. Again, you take the record with a grain of salt. They're now only half a game behind the Cleveland Cavaliers, so that game over in the coming days is going to be massive for standings. You know, the Bucks are 22 and 10, the Celtics are 22 and 10, and the Cavaliers are 22 and 12. The Nets are 21 and 12. The Sixers won today, and then 19 and 12. From one to five, it is an absolute slog, and. Every game matters and, and the Cavs game is going to matter a lot too. And the fact that the Nets were able to win this one, I said, I'd be happy if the Nets went two and one and, or maybe even one and two, you know, over a, a little bit of a stretchy because I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a pessimist, but you know, I want that Cavs win now.
1: Yeah. It's going to be an interesting matchup because of, what Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell do. And then you have the combination of Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, you know, something completely different and a young team trying to prove it. So, you know, they're going to try to come in and beat the nets. And I believe the Cavs have beat the Celtics and the Bucks this season already. So it's going to be fun. And I think it's going to be another test for them. And if they're able to win that game, it continues to create momentum that they're building the proper habits and just becoming, a matchup nightmare for other teams, where in the past, we were so worried about how the Nets are going to match up with everyone. Now it becomes, how can these teams match up with the Nets and the style in which they play?
2: 33 down, 49 to go.
1: Yes. Jack, as always, big pleasure, and big thanks to everybody for listening, and happy holidays.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.